everyone. Welcome to Birth to Motherhood. I'm your host, Victoria, and this is a podcast where I invite mothers to come on and share their unique birth stories. Whether it's a traditional hospital birth or a serene home birth, I believe these stories can be a source of healing and inspiration for many. So without any more delay, let's get started. This is Birth to Motherhood. everyone. Welcome to the show. Uh, today I am here with Cecily. Um, Cecily, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Cecily Pansky. I am 33 years old. I am a wife and a mother to three beautiful children. I have a six-year-old named Wynn, a four-year-old named Rowan, and a one-year-old named Renly. We currently homeschool. Um, I have a small business called Mother Alchemy, where I do my birth work and I have a small apothecary where I make herbal um, products, tallows, magnesium spray, um, like peri sprays, things that are really versatile and great for moms and babies. And my husband also works at home. He sells vintage clothing. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> how, how did he get into that? Um, it was really funny. It was 2020. I had just left my job and he had been learning more about it that year because he wanted so badly to leave his warehouse job that he hated and work for himself and do something that he was passionate about. And I had just left my job and I was like, we can't do this. Like, (laughs) this is too many risks back to back. We have two kids already and he just stayed persistent and like showed me how it was possible. And within a few months, then he left his job and then he started doing that full time and the rest is history. Good for him. That is awesome. I'm very, very proud of him. It was, like I said, it was a lot of risks all at once. So I was nervous and it was the height of all the COVID stuff. So Mm -hmm. it made me like really think twice, but it was the right decision for us and just the flexibility that we have and the presence we have in our home. It's just unmatched. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like 2020 did that to a lot of people that like they were Mm -hmm. like, oh, it's almost the end of the world. Like, I'm not doing what I love. I'm going to do it. Yes, (laughs) it did. (laughs) And there is beauty and a blessing in that for sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely. (laughs) All right. Um, Do you want to get into your first pregnancy? We'll start off with that one. Yeah. Um, So leading up, I wanted to share that, you know, part of the decisions I made with my first pregnancy were really influenced by the fact that when my husband and I first got engaged, we um, had a surprise pregnancy 
and we figured everything would be fine. We're like, oh, well, maybe we'll put off the wedding. Um, and it was, you know, a baby that we wanted. And I had a really traumatic miscarriage. And I remember going for early ultrasounds and blood tests and things not looking quite right, which prompted more testing. And I had ended up meeting with a midwife who was just very like insensitive and let me know like this isn't going to be a viable pregnancy. And it was just like a very cold encounter. And meanwhile, I'm just devastated, crying. And it was kind of like, okay, you got to go. There's other patients to be seen. And I'm like, what? I, you know, I remember leaving that appointment, like, you know, like, what's wrong with me? Why did this happen? Like, and just never getting answers. And I believe a week or so went by and I still was pregnant. Nothing um, started happening. Like I hadn't actually miscarried. And I went back and saw an OB who just gave me this certain level of trust that I didn't get the first time. And he was so compassionate and understanding. I remember he even like hugged me while I was crying in his office. And then, you know, he proceeded to recommend a DNC because um, it, I, I remember him saying like, oh, you don't need to go through this. Like, let's just do a DNC. This is what it is. And I had, when I was 20, I had had an abortion with a baby that I did want, but my boyfriend at the time didn't want him. So I was really nervous about the DNC procedure because I had kind of, I've already been through it and it, I had leftover trauma from that, but we went ahead and did it. And it was a really horrible experience. And I um, am really sensitive with medication. So even after the procedure, I was just so ill that I couldn't be discharged. So it just continued to like, basically like perpetuate this pain and suffering that was going on. Um, But all my encounters with this OB were, you know, I felt like I was receiving really great care at the time. So my husband and I realized, you know, we wanted to try to conceive pretty shortly after that because I had this thing in my mind, this limiting belief that, you know, my body was broken. It's going to take me a long time. You know, we had then set a date for our wedding and it was within a few months. So I'm like, let's try now. And maybe, you know, by the end of the year, I'll be pregnant. Well, within one cycle, I was pregnant. So (laughs) I ended up um, being like 12 weeks pregnant on our wedding day, which was it was like unexpected, but it was a (laughs) blessing. Um, But I had went back right away to that same OB because I felt safe, you Mm -hmm. know, in that and just like this certain level of trust and understanding. Um, But going into that, I had hyperemesis with my first baby and I was just so ill and I could barely work. Like I was, you know, had a full-time job and was always calling in and, or just being so ill at work and not really being able to do my job. And I had lost 20 pounds. I had been like hospitalized 
two to three times. And it was just like, what's wrong with me? Like, what is this? And nobody around me, you know, like in my work family and in my direct family really like supported me through that. And Mm -hmm. it was just really lonely. And my husband had never been through anything like this. So it just, again, like fueled the, there's something wrong with me. My body's broken. Like, how do people do this? Like, this Mm -hmm. can't be normal. Um, And I had, I guess, pacified that by doing everything I was told to do. Anything that was suggested, any test, any medication, I did it. Because in my mind, doing that was what was going to keep me safe and healthy and keep my baby safe and healthy when Mm -hmm. a lot of the things that I did and like complied with and consented to, I don't really think did that. I think it contributed to some of the things that I experienced. Um, Fast forward to my actual birth. um, And I had had hospitalizations like on and off throughout the pregnancy as well for hyperemesis or for like blood pressure, like, chronic migraines, things like that. And, um, you know, by the time it was actually time, I just felt like no one believed me. No one was really listening to me. Mm -hmm. And I was not quite 39 weeks. I was, it was a Wednesday. Um, I was, I think 38 and like three quarters. My husband and I went to bed and Uh, like an hour or so later, I just woke up, thought I was peeing the bed and my water. Yeah. And mind you, you know, it's time, like just so excited, so naive, just very excited to like meet our baby. And we called in, we were a hundred percent sure it was my waters. It was just flowing, mucusy. We called in no one believed me, you know, are you sure? Well, why don't you just come in and we'll test to make sure I'm like, this is not pee. Mm -hmm. This is definitely my water's releasing. So we went in and I had stopped having like a constant flow, but I had a pad on and they had tested and they're like, "Mm, no, this isn't fluid. I was like, why don't you take the pad that's soaked and test the pad? And sure enough, it was fluid. So they're like, well, we'll keep you here. I wasn't feeling anything at the point, like not even a wince. Um, But I was just so excited. So I just was like, let's go. Don't send me home. And 12 hours went by. They were encouraging me to like walk around. Um, Like I was even dancing. Like I was really trying to like get into the zone. But nothing was happening. Um, At points, they put me on the monitor and could pick up some really subtle contractions, but I really didn't feel like any tightening um, or any sensations, wasn't dilating at all. Um, And I was given this time limit, you know, 12 hours, and they were going to start pit. And I had known enough that I was like, i don't want that. So I was doing everything in my power, like really exhausting myself, trying to get things going, which in hindsight, just, you know, 
activated my fight or flight response mm-hmm. even more and did not, it was not conducive to um, labor. Yep. Um, 12 hours goes by, pit is started. I, that was the first intervention. I was very much against any type of pain medication. I know my body, like I just don't, I know my body, it does not do well with anything like that. Um, after they started pit, I wasn't dilating, but I was having horrible, horrible contractions just on top of one another, mainly in my back. And um, I remember being, you know, my mom was there at the time, which I really regret, but she would say that the nurses were just so astounded that somebody was handling basically the highest amount of pit they could administer for it had been 12 hours without pain medication because I just would not like give in basically. Mm -hmm. And essentially I felt like a wild animal being like broken down and having to be broke to give in. Meanwhile, these nurses and the doctors in my ear, like, just like, you don't need to be in this much pain. Like, just take the medication. Like, who, what are you trying to prove? Like, you know, it's here to help. And um, my mom at the time too was like feeling this. Um, And I don't even want to get into that whole (laughs) aspect of it, but she was, you know, fueling that. And I did after 12 hours of pit, um, consent to with whatever that means at this point, because I'm delirious. Um, <laughs> I think it was called Nubane. And as soon as I got this injection, I was as high as a kite. Oh and it only, it was like what I could imagine a bad trip to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just fueled the fear even more. And I think I went probably another four hours on the pit on this new bane, just vomiting nonstop. Like it did nothing for the pain. It was just a head high. So Mm -hmm. I was just like even more out of my body, out of control, scared, not really understanding what was going on. And um, my husband still, like, he has his own trauma from these situations where he was, like, he just sat there, like, feeling powerless and helpless, like, you know, having no idea what to do or how to support me in any way. Mm -hmm. Um, And as this is going on, epidural keeps getting brought up. And, um, yeah, we were over 24 hours at that point. Um, of this. And I was like, finally, just yes, just give it to me. I was so utterly exhausted from not resting when I should have been resting instead of trying to get labor going. Um, I had not eaten in this entire time being at the hospital, barely drank anything. Um, we, we even had to like argue for like some type of broth even, it was like an argument because, you know, they, they, it's very calculated. It's like, they knew they were prepping me for a Mm C-section and I missed out on that or, you know, by the grace 
um, after getting this epidural, but it was not soon after that the epidural was administered that I finally was able to relax and sleep and try to get rest. And my mom fell asleep, my husband fell asleep, and it was like maybe 30 minutes that I woke up to all these people rushing in the room, like 10, 15 people, the room's packed, they're still out cold because it had been like over 24 hours. And I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, your stats are going down. We're getting you on oxygen. This baby needs to come out now. And I was like, I thought I was resting. Like I thought I was going to be able to sleep. And they're like, no, it's this or C-section. Like, and it was just like madness. And I started like yelling for my husband to wake up. And they're like, what is going on? And it was just like this team, NICU, like everybody in the room, lights back on. And then me being told, you know, to push and I could not, like, I did not feel anything Mm -hmm. Um, at points. I honestly was faking like I was pushing because I was so beyond exhausted and had no idea. I was like, how am I supposed to push? I don't feel anything. I can't even feel my legs. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just trying to interpret what they were commanding me to do the best I could in the state that I was in. Um, And amidst all of this, I'm being told you're not dilating, your cervix is too high, your pelvis is too small, like your baby's not descending, all of these things. And I, as I'm pushing, his head did come down, but there was just a point uh, that it must have been like his stats or something. Um, the OB is just like vacuum. There, there's no consent at this point. Oh. It's just like vacuum now. I'm like, what is a vacuum? And it's just like ripped out of the wall and stuck up me. and turned on and they vacuumed him out and then put him on my chest. And I'm just like, numb. I'm like, what is happening? (laughs) What just happened? You know, I'm holding my screaming baby whose head is like a cone, completely bruised and a cone had no idea like what was going on. And you know, it just, it was heartbreaking. And I was, I felt so young and naive and, but it's just, that's what had to happen. You know, my body didn't work. My body was broken and this is the way things are done. Um, I remember being so confused um, as like the epidurals wearing off for the amount that they wanted to take my baby from me. I was just like, after all that I went through, it was like, oh, we need this exam. Oh, we need this, like just constantly taking my baby away from me. And I just really didn't feel like we had a chance to bond properly. Um, Breastfeeding was a struggle. My nipples immediately were cracked and bleeding. And then Somebody comes in and is like, oh, well, you have flat nipples. You need to use a nipple shield. And I'm like, I, you know, okay. So we did that and I could never get him to latch properly. So I used a nipple shield for about three months because I was determined to breastfeed. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just kept practicing on our own. Like I had no help from a lactation consultant or anybody. And we just kept practicing and his latch got strong enough. And, you know, he breastfed for two and a half years. That's um, awesome. So that's something that I'm grateful for that that also wasn't sabotaged for mm-hmm. me. Um, it was something that I really did a lot of work on prior. Um, and I was not about to let that be taken from me. Um, so after this experience, I, you know, just, I didn't realize the impact of it until I got pregnant with my second. And at this point, I really have no trust in my body. And I'm just thinking, yep, I'm going right back to the same OB. He saved me. It could have been so much more terrible if he didn't do what he did. I would have had a C-section, like, you know, just really gave up my power and my authority. Mm -hmm. And um, I had done enough research about the interventions that I was like very firm going into it about what I wanted. But what happened was, is later in pregnancy, I was 40 weeks. I had a very stressful job at the time, lots of hours. I was a director at a nonprofit and it was just like, you know, nonstop things, you know, is baby here, is baby here, is baby here? When are you leaving on maternity leave? Like how are all this stuff? It was just nonstop. And I was Mm -hmm. just so worn down mentally and emotionally. So when the talk of an induction came up, I was really like, yes, I don't want to be pregnant anymore. You're right. I don't. Um, Something must be wrong yet again, because I am not going into labor. And now I'm 40 weeks, you know, so it was even later than my son. So I agreed to an induction. Um, I still was like, I don't want medication. I don't want Pitocin. Again, like I will let there be an induction, but I don't want any interventions. Um, So induction day comes, I'm 41 weeks now, um, 41 weeks in a few days and no baby yet. So I go in for my induction and it's 8 a.m. They try, I think it's the pill on the cervix um, to dilate. A couple hours goes by, cramping, no dilation. So then they move on to the fully balloon. Um, the balloon breaks inside of my body and the OB is pulling pieces of the like system out oh my gosh as I'm you know like screaming in pain and you know again without consent it's just okay well this didn't work so I've got you at least two centimeters I'm just gonna break your waters hook right in waters broke you know I just am like what is happening yet again and then he leaves immediately And I at least felt relief to the extent that, okay, now I am going to continue on with what my plan is. 
So labor began pretty quickly after my waters were released and I labored in the tub. I had music. I labored on the ball. Um, and this is over the course of like three to four hours. There was a really, really wonderful nurse who was just like went out of her way to stay with me um, when mm -hmm. the others wouldn't and just like provide me certain levels of comfort that you would expect from a doula and just like pain management techniques and just like really, you know, helping me release the fears and the doubts that I had. Um, then I go into this, like my transition and I am like walking out of the bathroom and these really intense contractions hit that were in my back again, which is interesting. I don't know why I was, I have back labor, um, but it hit me in my back so hard that I just kind of like doubled over. And I actually had a flashback um, of being in labor with my son in these pit contractions. And I, I pretty much lost my mind. And I was like, give me the epidural now. Plans are off. I cannot do this. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not doing this. Like, it's not happening again. And I don't know where that came from. And it wasn't until after that I realized, like, that is trauma. Mm -hmm. This is birth trauma. I know yep. what PTSD is. Mm -hmm. What was that? And I spent my postpartum really, like, picking that apart. Like, what? Yeah is this like what is this world <laughs> like this medical system like this can't be right this does not feel good like how did this happen to me two times i mm -hmm. thought i did everything in my power or i did everything right i did everything mm -hmm. i was supposed to do why did this still happen to me you yep. know after that epidural same thing. Stats go down. Oxygen on. Baby needs to get out. Vacuum comes in, you know, and they basically rip my baby out of me. And then directly after, it's like this constant separation to encourage this disconnection between mothers and their babies mm -hmm. and sever that intuition. And I'm even directly after I'm seeing this and I'm starting to get like defensive and angry. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, get me out of here. Get me discharged ASAP. As soon as I can get discharged, get me out of here. And, you know, it was the process because we were declining procedures and, you know, it was just like, you're a negligent mother because you yep. want to leave right away. Yep. And <laughs> I knew very different. So I had to kind of like, you know, toe this line and do this dance of like, no, we're just really exhausted. Like we're ready to go. And then seriously, I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, so about a day later, we finally get discharged. And I remember telling my husband, I'm like, I am never doing that again. Like it is never happening again. At this point, we were not even sure if we wanted to have a third baby. I always knew in my heart I did want a third baby. I felt very connected to this third baby spirit and that it was going to happen. And funny enough, leading up to my conception, 
we had gotten rid of all of our baby stuff. And I thought that that would take away this baby fever that I had, and nope. it did not. <laughs> and within two months, I was pregnant. Oh, wow. Okay, like, hey, well, I guess we're starting over. Um, and leading up to that conception, there was an acquaintance, some girl that my husband had went to high school with that had been having her babies at home. And it was simply her sharing her story on Instagram about home birth that I was like, even open to like the possibility. I never even, I, it never even crossed my mind. Nobody in my circle, nobody in my community had ever considered birthing at home. I didn't really even realize people did that. And the only times I had ever heard about it were like these horror stories and tragedies, um, you know, and that's why I just never even thought about it. But she had been sharing and I had then, you know, followed other people and followed um, more people from those people and just like was eating everything up that I could about home birth and basically there being another way and a different option and not feeling so lost and unsupported. Mm -hmm. Um, So after I conceived my third, I had probably, I think it was the same day we took the pregnancy test that, you know, I was in disbelief I was pregnant, but I looked at my husband and I told him, I was like, we are having this baby at home. And he goes, okay. And that, that was it. He, there was no, he was like, yes, I trust Uh, you. He looked me dead in the eyes and was like, okay, all right, we're doing this. And he was with me every step of the way. Every little thing that I learned, I talked to him about and he was like, yes, that makes sense. I agree with you or I trust you. And without him, I would not have, you know, even decided to have a free birth. Um, What happened was, is that I had this arsenal of knowledge and I'm like, I'm going to do the right thing by, and I'm going to interview midwives that do home births. I'm going to meet with a few Um, the ones that I ended up choosing, I think some of the things that made me choose them were really things that were actually holding me back. Like there was this like sense of safety or this sense of authority that was being, um, like reenacted out that made me feel safer But then as I continued having like appointments with them, I really picked that apart and was like, no, this isn't a sense of safety. Like this is me giving my power away and this is me giving Mm -hmm. my authority away. And I had, you know, declined pretty much everything. Like I wasn't doing ultrasounds. I wasn't doing Dopplers. I wasn't doing urine tests. I wasn't doing swabs, anything like I was like, nope, like I'm just like, I will come in and meet with you and like you can measure me and we can chit chat. Like that's pretty much it. Um, Early on, I think it was 12 or 16 weeks, I um, consented to a blood test um, for my blood typing and for an iron level because my entire life I've been low on iron. Um, And sure enough, my iron was low 
and it turned into, well, if you don't get your iron up, you're not birthing at home. And I was like, excuse me? Excuse me. <laughs> I know. And it was these, the, the whole dynamic changed. The whole dynamic changed with this one blood test. And I explained my blood iron has always been low. Like I literally don't even donate blood because it's just always low. Like I just, mm -hmm. I've always known this. I've never had any issues, like never had any health issues from this. And it's just like, well, no, you will have a health issue like in this pregnancy. And I'm nearing my second trimester and like, isn't it normal for the blood to be lower, you know, and trying to have these like open dialogue conversations with them. And it was just like, totally like they weren't even willing to hear it. And then it got brought up again that I declined an ultrasound. And then I'm citing legitimate research and concerns that I have about getting an ultrasound. And then they're just meeting me with, well, you won't get your iron up. Like if you don't get an ultrasound, we don't know if you have placenta previa and we don't know if there's something wrong. Like just they basically say you have like informed consent and you can decline these things. But with this comes like the high risk. They basically put me in the high risk category because mm -hmm. I declined all these things, even though there was no like signs or symptoms or reasons, anything presenting to put me in the high risk category. I felt great overall, had nausea, was not, it was not hyperemesis. So I was like, this is a win. Like I, I'll throw up whenever, like, I, this is my third baby. I don't even care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm like feeling good about myself. And then in, in these situations with them where I, it's just like, you can't feel good. You can't trust your body. You can't have an inner knowing that everything's fine and be trusted. Mm -hmm. um, and when we got to that point of like, arguing about, you know, how I was going to get my iron up. And I was like, well, I will just take more or eat more beef liver and take beef liver, you know, and they're like, well, we want you to take Hemoplex. It's really effective. I was like, yeah, but Hemoplex is a synthetic form of a vitamin and that's actually toxic to my baby. So I was like, do you want me to do something toxic to my baby to get my iron up? Or I could just take some beef liver, you know? And mm -hmm. at this point it was just like, comical. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. What, but what am I going to do? I'm 20, 24 weeks pregnant. I'd only had a few visits with them. So what I ended up doing was I called, um, one of the midwives that I had interviewed back and she was young and like just getting started. She had been a doula for years and she was a friend of that acquaintance that I learned about home birth. So there was this like level of trust there. Like we knew people who knew people and they're really great people. I would just, you know, felt comfortable with her. And I just had this conversation with her and I literally listed out all these things that these midwives were doing and all these things that I had felt intuitively and explains that I, you know, like really felt capable of birthing and doing it on my own. And after about an hour, she hasn't said much. 
she repeats back to me, so I hear you want to free birth. You want to have your baby alone with your husband. And I'm like, yeah, I do. And she goes, you can totally do that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you mean all this, what I've known all along? Like, it's like I was just seeking this validation because mm -hmm. I was so programmed to get this validation from this higher authority. And for the mm -hmm. first time, I'm speaking with a woman and someone who's not trying to have authority over my body or my baby or my pregnancy or my birth. And she just respected me and heard me. And I was just like, you're right. That mm -hmm. is what I want to do. And for, you know, just her, you know, like I will use discretion and not share too many details about her, but I would, she's not traditional. <laughs> um, I would consider her, you know, a wise woman and she was a real guiding light to me and we're actually friends now. Um, but she offered to, because I had explained that my only real desire was for help postpartum is that like we had two kids. I felt very capable of free birthing. Um, I had been doing research and listening to other women's stories and really pre like preparing um, to do this without actually having for like sure making the decision. And after that conversation, she, you know, texted me and was just like, you know, if you do want just postpartum care, I would be willing to come to you after you birth and like basically check on baby, check on you, check placenta. Um, I just was so, I guess, overwhelmed by the impending labor and delivery that that was an area that I was willing to like accept support in and to seek that support. So mm -hmm. we basically hired her for just that. Um, and she, anything that I had questions on um, or asked for resources on, she provided them and provided like other people um, that I could follow or books to read that would help me. Um, and then I had found out even earlier in the year, she had just free birthed her third baby. Um, oh, so I was awesome. like, wait, what? <laughs> so it was just this like really beautiful experience that I wasn't expecting. Um, so then going into my third birth, the free birth, I guess the hardest part um, of the pregnancy was towards the end. So about, at about 24 weeks, I had fired these midwives or medwives. I was just like, I am, you know, I told them I'm going to free birth my baby. And, you know, this portion that I've already paid, like I would, it's in the contract. I would like a refund for this. And I had gotten a refund in the mail with a post-it note that said, good luck. That was wow. it. Just on a post-it <laughs> note, good luck, check for my refund. And I was like, yeah. you're Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was something. Um, so after I closed that door, it was just this kind of, um, just like an internal battle with some of the ways that I was trying to like manage or like medicalize 
my wild pregnancy. Um, and just this like internal, emotional and mental battle. Um, nothing mm -hmm. was really wrong at all. Um, I think it was just kind of this need for control or to feel like there was some level of control to then create a level of safety for myself. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a lot of tools to really like actually unpack that and look at it and then reevaluate and be like, no, I am, this is what I want. I am on the right path. Like this is, you know, this is the right thing to do. Um, I then spent the last like month of my pregnancy, like getting acupuncture, doing um, like salt floats and massage and just like lots of baths, lots of naps, like really trying to take care of myself. The end has been the hardest for me in each of my pregnancies, just that unknown, this is my third baby, but first unmedicated birth. It would be my first spontaneous labor. Like I really had no idea. Um, so I tried to just keep an open mind as much as possible, um, but I was really anxious. My husband travels a lot for work and we are constantly rescheduling things because I was so nervous he'd be out of state when I went into labor and I have two kids and then like I'd be totally alone and it was just it was really hard for us at the very end and then it, he did cancel some events and then 40 weeks comes baby hadn't come and I'm like well you know this is our only income at this point like he's got to go um and then I would just be really like anxious for him to come back um and it did end up working out perfectly. Um, I was nearing 42 weeks. I was about 41 and five. And I had reached out to this, um, I'll call her my wise woman, and was just telling her like I was feeling weird. Like I couldn't really describe it. I'm like, I kind of feel like not here. I'm like, I just like kind of floaty. I just don't feel right. And she's just told me, she's like, it's going to be soon for you. She's like, I think it's just the hormones starting, oxytocin starting, like, you know, things are going to happen soon. Um, two days later, which was a Thursday, I had started getting contractions after picking my daughter up from her, like, um, it was like a little play group. And I remember the sensations like being excited by them but it was almost daunting like this is okay this is happening I've been waiting so long for this like what is this gonna look like um and I continued to have contractions on and off like they'd stop for an hour come back and be like every 10 minutes then stop for two hours and then come back and be like seven minutes apart and it was just like this on and off um, thing, I tried sleeping through it. And it, it's not that the sensations were painful. It was just, I don't know if I was being like hyper aware of them because it's like the first time I was having sensations. Um, truly, I, I'm not sure, but it's just like it kept me up. I wasn't really resting or sleeping. I didn't feel like I could sleep because I was so uncomfortable. 
Um, so then Friday comes, I had every intention of having the kids there. Um, but this day before and the on and off stuff, I did start to get a little nervous. Not that something was like wrong, but I was just already exhausted that I was like, I actually don't want them here. I don't know what's like happening or like what stage I'm at. I just actually need peace and quiet basically. So my father-in-law came and picked up the kids and we, my husband and I just like went for walks. And then I had this like thought that, okay, I'm having contractions on and off. They're not really growing in intensity. Like maybe babies not totally engaged. Like there isn't, you know, they're not productive. I'm not dilating or anything um, because of that. And I think back to the times that I was being seen by the OB and I was told my uterus like and my or my cervix sits really high. You know, my I have scoliosis in my back and my hips aren't quite level. And at one point I was told that that could contribute to like baby's head position. And I really don't know if any of it's true, but I had just been thinking about those things and we were being proactive, like, okay, well, what could we do? Um, so we did some of the mile circuit and some spinning babies. Um, they have like inversions to do. So we basically spent Friday um, doing these types of inversions and exercises to encourage baby's head to move into a better position. And it's it's on and off contractions this whole entire day. So over 24 hours. And I was eating, but not really getting a ton of rest. I was getting really weepy at about 9 p.m. And I was like, just bring the kids home. Like, go get my babies. Like, I don't want them. You know, we're home with them all the time and we homeschool. So them being gone the whole day was kind of hard. So my husband brings the kids back and we go to bed. It's probably like 10 o'clock. And by midnight, I'm up again. But it's like, it's actually intense, like way more intense than they have been. And I was like, okay, so maybe everything worked. Um, Baby's head must be in a better position. I'm, you know, kind of set up our birth space a little bit lit candles and just like playing soft music and just like really trying to go with the flow. Like I'm eating and drinking, you know, I left everybody sleeping and about three 30, I was just curious, like maybe I should see if I'm dilated. Um, my cervix was much lower, very, very soft. And just like my mucus plug had like come out in like one entire piece. So I finally had this like confirmation, like, okay, this is actually happening. (laughs) I don't know when, but like there is some progress here. Um, I did check myself like the day before and like my cervix was not open at all. Um, It was soft, but not open at all. Um, So just the fact that my mucus plug came out was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) my body is working. Like something's (laughs) happening. I remember being so excited. I had texted my father-in-law like at about 4.30 in the morning, like, hey, things are actually happening. Please plan to come like pick up the kids again. And he's 
up at like four in the morning every day. So he responded right away. He's like, I'll be there, you know, like right away. And he picks up the kids and my husband and I just labor at home. You know, we're eating and drinking and, you know, like laughing and, you know, just like really, it was very precious. Um, We still had this level of like, am I actually in labor? Um, And at this point, we um, texted our wise woman and she had just said, like, keep me posted, like, you know, as of that day, um, which is now Saturday, I um, was 42 weeks. So it's like, it's slow going, but it's happening. And she said, just keep her posted. And I had this, like, feeling all day long, like, fill up the pool, I want to get in the pool. Like there is, I don't know why, but I just like kept saying that. And my husband was like, well, let's just wait. Like, let's just make sure he like really didn't want to fill up the pool if like I wasn't actually in labor. And we laugh about this now, but I'm like, okay, fine. Like I'll just hold (laughs) off, you know? So we go the whole, it's now like probably we're getting close to five o'clock and things are like, they're getting intense and I'm like having to moan through them. Like I can't talk through them. I'm not like able to eat or drink. Um, I actually started throwing up and then I went to the bathroom and had like a really intense one and was like, you need, okay, now you need to fill up the pool. So he did start doing that. We checked in with our wise woman and I'm like, you know, things are getting, you know, more intense and I'm crying for no reason. Like, and she's just like, I think you're transitioning, which made me cry even more because I'm like, this is happening. Like there's no turning back. Like I am in transition. It was just like so emotional for both my husband and me. And now at about 536, I'm about to get in the pool and I check myself and I'm maybe a one. Like I'm not like dilated like at all through any of this. So I was a bit discouraged, but I'm like, these are uncomfortable. Like I'm getting in this pool no matter what, just to relax. And I got in the pool and within like 10 minutes, I was having contractions like on top of one another And I was just like, that is when I like entered the portal Mm -hmm. and I knew it was coming and I had to have that good cry, like that this is coming, there's no turning back. And then I entered the portal and it was just like this really intense, like psychedelic even experience for me. I remember having... I can't remember exactly what the memory was, but I kept my eyes closed a lot. But I had these memories of my childhood and just like this pure joy and like bliss, like things that I've never thought about ever that happened that like came up that I was like, whoa, like, what is this? And I'm like, saying all this stuff out loud to my husband. And he's looking at me like, what is going on? 
And then I had this experience where I felt that I like, like my soul met like my mother's soul in the spirit world. And at this point, and I still am now, like I don't have contact with my mother and I don't have a relationship with her. Um, And in this birth, I had this experience that was so healing. It was like our souls meeting in the spirit world and having this understanding with each other that like, our lives are like no longer on the same path and that we were like going our separate ways. And then we like were walking away from each other and I turned around and ran back to her and I hugged her. And then I like come back to the world with these like crushing surges and I'm just like screaming And that's all I could do was just like scream. I knew the more I fought, like the harder things would be, but I just like couldn't find it in myself not to fight. And what we think was happening was it's just like, I was just like releasing all of this like anger and trauma and like disappointment and disconnection. Like I was just like healing myself from it Mm -hmm. through this experience, through this like screaming. And I was getting really weak and dizzy and nauseous in the tub. Um, I think it was from the temperature and just like the movement. Um, I was just getting really sensitive to it. And I told my husband, I was like, I need to get out of the water. And it's close to 9 p.m., So I had been in the water for like two and a half, maybe three hours. And I get out and I go like over to the couch um, and I'm just like screaming in these contractions. Like I am so tired. I can't do this anymore. And then I'm like ready to give up. And I'm like, just take me to the hospital. Give me an epidural. Like, I'm done. I'm throwing in the towel. Like, I can't do this. I was just delirious. And my husband looked at me and he, like, he had like his hand on me and he's like, We're not going anywhere. He's like, You're doing this. Like, this is happening. Like, you're almost there. And then I just, it like clicked and I'm like, Okay, I really need to like surrender to these. Like, I realized that I was just like fighting, 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 fighting. And I surrendered and I like kind of sat down on the ground and was just like really trying to focus on my breathing. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like that fetal ejection reflex kicks in. And I had prayed for that. I was so happy when that's happened because I just like realized like I'm at the end like I did it Mm -hmm. like this is happening I wanted so badly to feel that reflex and for it to happen on its own and although when the contractions hit I started like throwing up (laughs) with like the reflex it was Mm -hmm. like I didn't even care I was just like (laughs) like I said in the beginning I was like I throw up all the time I don't even care (laughs) I was like so happy about it. And um, then my husband, he was like, he got so excited. He's like, oh my God, stuff is coming out. 
he was behind me and I was like kind of kneeling on the ground. He's like, oh my God, I think your water just broke. And then I'm like, shut up. Like he was just like getting so excited and like talking a bunch. And then I was just like, shut the hell up. And then the contraction would pass. And then I'm like, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to say that. And we laugh about this now. And I was like, I didn't mean to say that. I just really need you to be quiet. And then he'd like, do it again. He's like, oh, there's more mucus. Like, you know, and I'm just like, shut <laughs> like and I was like don't touch me I'm really trying to like feel into this um actually it was at just after all of that was happening between me and him then the ejection reflex kicked in and it was probably three of those like contractions and sensations and like my baby was out like it was just like oh. The first one, I felt her head engage. The second one, I felt the ring of fire. And I remember smiling. I was so like, it is the ring of fire. It is Mm -hmm. what everybody says it is. (laughs) I never, ever felt that sensation before. And Mm -hmm. I was so happy. I was so happy Mm -hmm. to feel that sensation. And then by that third, like, contraction and reflex, just her entire body slid out. And I had told my husband as this is happening, like you need to catch the baby. Like I felt like I couldn't move and that I just had to focus. So by the third one, her entire body's out. She's in his hands. He's just like crying hysterically. We have a baby. We have a baby. I'm just like sitting there with like this smile on my face, but I'm like, my body starts like convulsing. I'm like shaking And it was the adrenaline, like Mm -hmm. of the entire experience. And at that very end, like kicking in and I was just like shaking. And he was like trying to pass her to me right away. And at this time, we didn't know she was a girl. But I'm like, no, like, let's just sit in this moment. I'm not going to move. Hold the baby. Let's just like breathe. So like two minutes go by, probably not even two minutes. It's time didn't time didn't exist but um we I'm like okay like Pat give me my baby and we kind of slid her under my leg changed my position and he was really excited to find out he's like should we look and I was like no let's let's just nope (laughs) hold on (laughs) we're not doing nothing I'm just going to hold my baby and I'm just like checking her over like you know, hugging her, kissing her, crying, and just like, really, it was so important for me to like soak up those first moments. Mm -hmm. And then finally, he's like, Oh, my gosh, I should get the camera. I was like, Yeah, we should probably do that this whole time. So we don't really have like any pictures or videos. But he got out the camera, snapped a couple pictures, and then starts to take a video and is like, um, you know, mom, what do we have? I look and her core, I'm like, it's a girl, but then like her cord kind of like fell in the way and it was still really thick. And I was like, wait, I don't know. Like, let me check again. And I like have to like lift up the cord from her little leg and look. And I was like, oh my God, it is a girl. And um, my in-laws and my husband and my kids all said it was a boy. And I was like, you guys, I really think it's a girl. We should think of girl names. Um, Mm -hmm. And 
we just like relished in those moments and he's just like crying and I'm crying and we're just like holding this perfect little baby and just like knowing that like we did it and we like trusted like the process and just Mm -hmm. like let things happen and didn't interfere and it was just so interesting to me that like when I finally surrendered it just like everything happened Mm -hmm. um I went into the pool at like 5 36 o'clock I was like maybe a one and she was born just after 9 p.m so I went from like no dilation to baby in a very Mm -hmm. short period of time the whole process was like over 50 hours, but it was like, I think a, a big part of it was just that need to like release um, a lot of the things I was hanging on to, um, to not try to control or measure mm-hmm. things myself and just like really lean into the process unfolding. And it was so healing for both me and my husband. He mm-hmm. like, he'll tell anybody like about the experience. Like he is just like, you know, the biggest free birth and home birth advocate, you know, as a father and just like, it just changed and healed so much for us. Like, it's just an experience that I, yeah, I, I just can't get over. And and that was my third baby and it makes me want to have more I don't know if we'll have have more but we might um and it's just like I just find peace in the fact that like at you know that we figured that out and had this redemptive experience there's still like lingering I think resentment Um, for the experiences that I had in the hospital and the way that they left me. um, Mm -hmm. I still work like at unpacking that. Um, There's a really great book that I've been reading recently. It's called Mothering from Your Center. And in this book, she talks about ways to heal like your birth imprints um, and like that connection between mother and baby, because I feel like the imprints that my children have, you know, are so influenced by this trauma that it has had these certain impacts in the way that I parent and mother them. Mm-hmm. And I'm really going to focus on those types of healing avenues like in the near future um to really like i guess find some like resolution in the experience and to heal that enough where i don't feel always feel like i guess that i had these really traumatic experiences like there's got to be more healing in it for me at this point um and i can like be very conscious and aware of like obviously in hindsight or in retrospect like what happened what should have happened like areas where I really like gave my power away um it was interesting one of the questions you had asked was like if I could go back would I have free birth my three like all three of my babies and I don't know 
if other people would say this, but for me, it's honestly a no. Like I would definitely go back and home birth all my babies, but I look at who I was with my first baby and just like how young and like unaware I that I was. There's so much responsibility and um, just like, I guess it is just responsibility, like in free birth um, Mm -hmm. that I don't think I was ready for Mm -hmm. Um, that real, real responsibility and understanding of these processes that I really just don't think I was ready for maybe with my second, um, but it happened the way it did, you know, for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I used to think that free birth was for everybody. Um, And now as I'm like growing, I can see like situations like with my own experience that there are certain times and situations that it really isn't for everybody. And like people have to be choosing it for the right reasons. It's a very conscious decision and it requires like, you know, the greatest responsibility. And, um, I, yeah, (laughs) I guess that's all I can say about that. Oh my goodness. Wow. All your, all of this just, wow. (laughs) How was your, the free births postpartum compared to your other two? I felt that like my hormonal flow, like my connection with my baby, it was just completely different. Like we found a rhythm so quickly. I mean, we, after I delivered about an hour or so later, our wise woman came and she helped us up into bed. I delivered the placenta. I like completely forgot about my placenta. I was just so like, in love with my baby that she asked me like, are you ready? Do you feel like your placenta is ready to be delivered? And I was like, what? Oh my God. (laughs) Yes, it is actually. And when I like dropped back into my body and after that, we literally, we just ate, I ate, my husband fed me beef stew and I went to sleep and we had this long well-earned glorious sleep together and I just like woke up and she woke up at the same time just like we locked eyes and it was just like we were so in sync like I just could look at her and know what she needed and like she didn't need to cry she didn't need it was just like we knew each other on this level Mm -hmm. because I we had been so in tune with each other during our pregnancy And although because I had two other kids and we don't have a lot of like family support or outside support, like we don't have a big circle around us, it was hard, but um, just with like the other managing the other kids, but I do feel like I got enough rest. Like I feel like our breastfeeding relationship was really strong. Mm -hmm. The hormone, like the natural hormonal, like matrix was fully intact and it was just like so peaceful and just like undisturbed and I did have have um, our wise woman she came back just a 
few days later for another checkup and everything was great. Like we had no issues. And I mean, that was that we just, and we just stayed home. We just stayed home and rested. And it was from that experience that, you know, that's what really led me to this group of um, free birthing women, home birthing women, birth workers. And that's where all of this started for me, you know, doula work, birth work and postpartum care. Um, that's mainly what I'm doing now. But, you know, it's from that experience that that really that passion came for mm-hmm. um, preserving that for mothers. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Did you tell your family that you were planning on free birthing? There were a couple. So we have a very small, like, we have very big families, but there's only a very few people that we actually talk to. Um, okay. The ones that we were close with, I did tell that I was free birthing. And um, my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, they didn't really question me. They were just like, so what is that? And like, you're not going to have anybody there. It's just going to be you. And I was like, yeah, that's what ha- that's happening. And they're like, okay. And they're like, well, what are you going to do with this? And I was like, well, this is, these are all the things that we like prepared for. And like, we have plans in place, like for these. And they're like, okay, all right. Like, and that was kind of it. I did have from one family member, like more like, aren't you scared? Like, you know, isn't that illegal? Some of that kind of stuff. And I just, um, I'm I'm very close with her, so I know it was coming from a good place, and I, you know, gave her the responses, and I don't think she agreed with them, but she respected my decision, and I just kind of didn't, I chose not to share much with her, like, after the fact, because um, I really didn't feel like I was in a position, it was like, I just didn't care, I was like, I'm not going to argue my beliefs or, like, my desires with somebody who really doesn't um, know anything about really any of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even choose to really care to look into it and maybe understand why you would choose that. Yeah, exactly. Um, just not where like, there's only so much energy that I have and it was mm-hmm. like, I can't put it into that. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Damn. <laughs> yeah. It was a whole yeah, a whole whirlwind. But like I said, it was just so it was so healing for us. Mm -hmm. And like, I would definitely do it again, if I could change one thing, I really think that in my experiences with birth work now, and just being with women, like, I feel like I've healed so much further, like my own mother wounds, my own sister wounds, and have just like seen so much more like value and meaning in like being witnessed and being like held by other women that like leading up to my free birth, I was just like, felt like I couldn't trust anybody and that I like just Mm -hmm. didn't want anybody there because I needed to do it myself to like really regain my power Um, If we did have another baby, I think I would feel differently where I would want a traditional midwife or wise woman there, but someone who would be really hands off and allow Mm -hmm. 
the um, physiologic process to unfold, but to really just like be this container and like this someone who can like hold this energy of the space and just like witness me in my power. Um, my husband like did a really great job, but there's something about women being with women that is just so different and it's so powerful. Um, I would really want that the second time ar- around with like with a fully unmedicated birth. Yeah. Do you think there, or do you know of any in your area, like traditional midwives or are they, they're hiding? <laughs> they are in hiding um, in ways but the so I live so like this I think it's showing up right on the screen so like this is Wisconsin and this is the thumb of Wisconsin and like Uh we're at the tip of the thumb in the peninsula so we're actually like pretty remote like we live in an area called Door County and it's called the Cape Cod of the Midwest it's like a huge tourist town um but it's hustling and bustling for like three or four months of the year. And then it's just these very, very small towns. Um, Most of them are unincorporated. And the nearest midwife is probably an hour and a half or an hour and 45 minutes away from here. And that's like a licensed Mm -hmm. midwife. The traditional midwives or like birth keepers that I know of, they're in like the Milwaukee or Madison area. And Milwaukee is probably three, like three and a half hours from here. So I am, I do have friends that are birth keepers and there is one I have in mind that I would ask, but it would just take quite like quite some planning. It's not something that is accessible to like women up here. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's like, I'm actually like the only doula in the entire county. Um, Wow and possibly the county south of us. Um, But I am an inspiring midwife or traditional midwife. And eventually I feel like that is gonna be something really important for our community because there's really no options for women except the medical center that does not have a great reputation. Mm -hmm. And from where I'm at, that's about an hour away. Wow. Yeah, it's we're we're pretty remote and um, rural in some ways, but it's, you know, there's definitely a need for it. Definitely, for sure. That's crazy. I thought I was in the boonies. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's wild. But, you know, I, I love it. I really do. And there's like this cyclical nature about where we live. Um, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of tourists all summer long. And then there's like, it's in winter and late fall. It's so quiet up here right now. Oh, like so there's nice. just like no one here. It slows down. Most all the businesses close. And it's just like, I love feeling like so in tune, like with nature, like everybody's slowing down, like everything's closing down. And it's just like, it's, but it's so beautiful. I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, awesome. (laughs) All right. Um, Let me see. Do you have any resources you want to share with anybody? I did write down a few books. Um, One book that really made an impact for me when I was between my second and third pregnancy 
was Childbirth as a Rite of Passage. Another book for anyone who's interested in like going unassisted, I would recommend Heather Baker's book, um, Home Birth on Your Own Terms. And Heather Baker, who is a traditional midwife, she was in Wisconsin at one point. I think she's in Iowa right now. Um, I but have she, no, I, I know I'm in her Facebook group, but like I don't yeah. know where she lives. <laughs> I think she said recently at one point she was, I thought it was Iowa, Um, but she has that Facebook group. It's free birth, unassisted birth. Hey guys, me again. We were literally just talking about how in the boonies Cecily was and she ended up having a power outage. I couldn't rejoin the session. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed her story as much as I did, especially her free birth. You all know how much I love free birthing. Uh, as Cecily was saying before I cut her off, uh, her resources are the two books mentioned and Heather Baker's Facebook group, which is homebirth-freebirth-unassistedbirthsupport. Uh, she really encourages you guys to seek out home birth communities and also postpartum circles in your areas to get more support or to even be that support for someone. You guys can connect with Cecily through her Instagram, which is at Mother Alchemy, W-I-A-L-C-H-E-M-Y-W-I, or her email, which is motheralchemy.wi at gmail.com. Thank you, Cecily, for taking the time to come on the show and share your stories. I hope everyone enjoyed them as much as I did. I will be back next week with another guest, and uh, until next time, guys, bye.